Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and the Knicks have made the signing official. Dylan Windler is a New York Nick on a two-way deal, and Trevor Keels on his way out. So now the question becomes, which of the Knicks' three two-way players has the best chance of affecting the team this year, and who has the highest upside? So I'm going to look to answer that on today's show. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking insights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And today, I'm getting into the official Knicks news. It was reported over the week, over earlier this week, I should say, that uh, Dylan Windler is being signed to be the the last two-way player for the Knicks. There was uh, initially, you know, a little thought of like, well, how are they going to do that? And then Fred Katz, the athletic, had the story that the Knicks would be looking to move on from Trevor Keels. That was made official yesterday when the Knicks announced it uh, via their NY Knicks PR Twitter page. Uh, so they officially sign Dylan Windler. So Windler, I know Gavin gave some brief thoughts on him the other day. I figured I would do the same thing. Uh, three-year pro was drafted in the first round. I Really more like a four-year pro because he was drafted the same year that R.J. Barrett was uh, in 2019 but missed this whole rookie season. And that has unfortunately been a pretty consistent theme with him. He's missed a lot of games. Um, his health is a, a really huge issue for him. He played 31, uh, 50, and three games in the last three seasons. And this past season even, you know, obviously the Cavs were better. So if he wasn't playing well enough in practice or whatever, it would have been hard to carve out, you know, a role or whatever. But you could even look at, you know, the the news reports and everything. And it seemed like just all year he was dealing with hamstring issue and ankle issue, you know, some form of, of lower leg injury pretty much the entire year, which kept him from, you know, being able to carve out a role on that Cavs team. And, you know, has now led to the point where he's a former first round pick that is signed to a two way deal. Um, that said, like, I don't know if there's really a stat in his pro career so far that can paint a, good picture of what he can offer because he's played so little uh, for one thing. And then he hasn't really played in the G league either, which makes it intriguing that he signed this two way deal uh, because it's not like he's really gotten much seasoning uh, down into G league level as well, uh, or, you know, carved out a role for himself there that now it makes sense that the Knicks will be like, okay, well, you know, we know that this guy's comfortable with this, this particular role, uh, you know, playing in the G League, so signing him to a two-way makes sense because we can keep him warm there and then, you know, call him up if if need be. 
Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a, a weird situation with him where he was a former first-round pick that now has been signed to a deal where he's only going to be able to technically have limited time with the big team uh, unless the Knicks end up signing into a different deal uh, you know, and fully guaranteeing his contract somewhere through his first season. Uh, and also, I, I don't know, he did shoot 34% from three in his delayed rookie year in 2020 to 21, but I feel that we should probably note that that came with the caveat of being during the COVID season, uh, which we saw a lot of shooting spikes from even on the Knicks, like R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, uh, various guys shot like 40% that year thanks to not having fans in the arena. So even during that season when they're still, I guess you could say only shot 34% from three and the only year that he really got significant playing time, he got about 15 minutes per game that year. So I don't know, uh, but I'll get more into him in a second. I do just want to say goodbye, maybe permanently, maybe not permanently to Trevor Keels first. Uh, so obviously a one-year pro for Trevor Keels, 42nd pick last year. Uh, he did have some significant playing time in Westchester last year. Averaged 14 points, 3.5 assists, 2.8 rebounds. Uh, shot 42.5% overall, 35.5% from three, and 71% from the free throw line in 25 games. So... I don't know. I, I think I made my thoughts on Keels pretty clear during the uh, my one episode where I watched uh, the summer league. I don't, I don't think this guy is ready for the NBA yet. Um, he's still very young, so maybe there's a chance that he could get there eventually. But I think that the Knicks are looking at these two way slots, at least two of them, this year as like, hey, these are guys that maybe could contribute, and we're going to sort of loophole this and sign them as two-way guys because we're out of regular roster spots, uh, you know, but we maybe see something with what they could contribute to the team. Like this year, Keels clearly is not in that category. I think he's, I don't know, there, there's like the uh, the saying of he's, he's a year away from being a year away or two years away from being two years away. I think he's still sort of in that stage of his career where he's he's got to still, you know, figure out, What's up with his his game? What's up with his body? You know everything else. Uh, you know at the NBA level because he's just not. He didn't come in tailor made to be an NBA player. He just you know he he had his moments in college as a scorer, but he just does not still to this day have like an NBA physique. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he has NBA burst, and those are things he's going to need to work on in like the weight room side of the gym, uh, and then as far as the the basketball side of the gym, you know, I think he has to work on shot selection. He has to work on consistency, has to work on getting to the rim more. Um, and then maybe we'll be talking about potentially bringing him back up with the Knicks. But, of course, he he can get signed elsewhere. Uh, the Knicks will have his G League rights. Uh, Ian Begley made sure to note that the Knicks will have his G League rights going forward. So if he plays in the G League next year, he'll play for the Westchester Knicks. But, uh, you know, if he decides to sign with another NBA team. If some other team wants to, you know, open up their two-way spot for him or a regular roster spot, you know, an end of the bench spot, he can be freely signed at this point. Uh, now, I, I think some people have, you know, taken a Twitter or whatever and been unhappy about the, the fact that the Knicks just released a guy that they just drafted last year with the 42nd pick. He was actually the only draft pick that the Knicks made last year. 
I, I don't really see this as an indictment of their front office, though, or their their scouting staff. I think you're always sort of taking a stab in the dark in the second round uh, when you're, you know, in that forty something pick range. You're just sort of hoping that you can find someone that maybe had a first round grade uh, or you know could have had that level of talent at that spot, and hoping that you can sort of find a diamond in the rough. Kills what I think was a good stab. Uh, you know, he produced pretty well at Duke uh, his freshman season and maybe shouldn't have been a one and done, but you could at least like sort of see the outline of like, okay, maybe this guy can be a scorer at the NBA level. Uh, so I don't, I don't blame them for taking that chance. It also sort of showed the Knicks willing to take a shot on a different type of player, which was cool, you know, where they, they went for a one and done, they went for a younger guy which they hadn't done under the Leon Rose regime. Hopefully this doesn't deter them from doing that in the future. Um, they have Jalen Martin on the team now as an undrafted free agent uh, and in the other two-way spot, who I'll talk about in just a second when I rank out the two-way spots. But, you know, it was it was a good shot, I think, going for Keels. It just didn't quite work out. But who's to say that it won't necessarily work out in the future because they're, they're not necessarily done with each other yet. Uh, Kills just isn't going to be signed to the New York Knicks this year. Just it will be signed to the Westchester Knicks unless some other team swoops in. But, uh, you know, maybe the Knicks can sign him to one of those Exhibit 10 deals, get him paid a little extra in Westchester this year and say, hey, we need you to like spend an extra year there, uh, you know, and, and really round out your game. And then maybe we can talk about bringing you back up to the Knicks next year. Uh, but we'll see how that all goes. But uh, for now, I feel like I should... Uh, quickly before I get into the rankings of these guys. So I'm going to rank the next three two-way players. That's uh, Dylan Windler, Jalen Martin, and Nathan Knight as most likely to make an impact this year. And then also rank them in the final segment by who has the highest upside going forward. But first I should remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run. All that on that that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book and uh you know last couple days you could be betting the yankees over my mets because the mets stink it's you know whatever bet against the mets it's always it's always smart money so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of major league baseball All right, and I'm back in to do some rankings. Who doesn't love a good ranking, right? The Knicks, I think, I don't want to say with any certainty, but I think are done filling out their two-way spots at this point. It's three new players in there. They are allowed three two-way contracts now. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I I have the like number of how many games that games or days of service or whatever they're allowed with the NBA team anymore. I think it's like 50% of the games, uh, something along those lines, but the NBA changes the rules 
so often with what two-way players are allowed. They used to be so prohibitive uh, as far as like, if you remember, like Alonzo Trier was one of the first Knicks two-way deals. And it was a whole big deal because he had been not only playing for, but like with the team practicing for X number of days. I forget what it was that first year that they implemented the two-way deals. But, you know, it was like very prohibitive how how long these guys were allowed to be with the team. And that included practice time and everything else. Now it's like, I feel like that discussion hasn't come up in so long, you know, of like, oh, has this guy been with the team for too long? Like, are they going to have to sign him or like potentially like just send him into the G League and let him rot there? Like, you know, whatever. It seems like now there's they're allowed so many practice days and so many game appearances for guys that are effectively end of the bench guys that it hardly ever comes up anymore. However, uh, if if I go to answer this first question that I want to answer, which is who's most likely to make an impact this year, I actually do see a guy there that in my number one spot that I think could potentially stretch the, the limits of being a two-way player for the Knicks this year. And that's Nathan Knight. I think he just mostly fills the most obvious need on the roster right now. If there's no other moves made as the backup power forward, uh, you know, I, put out a show last week about different veteran options, you know, low price uh, uh, guys like Rudy Gay that the Knicks could potentially go after higher price guys like PJ Washington or, or, or Christian Wood, you know, that they could potentially go after to, to be that backup four or five spot. But as it stands right now, they don't have that guy on the roster. And, you know, lest I get another YouTube comment, why are you even talking about this? It's a guy who's going to play 10 minutes behind Julius Randle. Yes, that's true, but it's still, a position that needs to be filled. Uh, so if the Knicks don't do anything else, it's like, okay, are they going to go small? Or is this guy, Nathan Knight, going to potentially get some minutes? Uh, I think there's an okay chance that he does. It's a small sample, but theoretically at least, he's gotten his three-point percentage up each of his three years in the league. So he could possibly slot into that floor spacing role the Knicks wanted Obi in. Uh, he shot, I think, 34% on about half an attempt per game last year so you know it's sort of isaiah hartenstein-esque where hartenstein shot similar in that year with the clippers where he shot like 36 percent on half an attempt per game prior to coming to the knicks so you know take it with a grain of salt i guess uh you know with a sample size that small it's tough to really say like yes this this guy is definitely a three-point shooter but he has gotten better in that regard every single season he's been in the league i think his progression is something like from like 27% to like 30% to 34% uh, over the course of his three years. So, you know, uh, the possibility exists that he could potentially be a shooter if given more opportunities to do so. And certainly it seems like that's what the Knicks want out of that backup power forward spot, considering how they use Dobie Toppin. So, you know, maybe we'll see that with Nathan Knight. If he shows out in practice and and is hitting threes, I I think there's a really good chance that maybe the Knicks just say, like, you know what, maybe we don't need someone else here. Or, you know, maybe this guy deserves to get a few minutes a game over just having, like, R.J. Barrett and Josh Hart fill all of the backup four minutes. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. But uh, just in general, I feel like he's gotten better every season Uh, as far as shooting the ball. I think he shot 56% or something like that last year, which has gone up every single season since he's been in the league. He will be 26 by the start of the season. So, 
in theory, he should be sort of on the cusp of his prime years here. Uh, so it's sort of now or never for him to latch on as a consistent contributor, just be sort of a career practice end of the bench guy, which there are plenty of guys like that in the NBA and there have been for forever. Uh, but, you know, if, if he's going to be something more than that, it's, you know, kind of now or never for him to to prove himself in that regard. Then uh, as far as second, most likely to make an impact this year, I think Dylan Windler, the new guy, uh, to me, he seems like, in, ironically, seems like injury insurance in case of multiple guys of uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, Quentin Grimes end up going down for some reason. I say ironically because, as I noted in the last segment, his injury history is long and storied at this point. Uh, so, you know, it's it's like, is he going to even be available, you know, or is he going to have another pulled hamstring or you know, whatever that keeps him out even of practice and stuff. Will he be able to see the floor if he's on a Tibbs team and he can't even see the practice floor? Those are all questions that I guess we'll get the answer to uh, fairly quickly, you know, once we see what his health is like going into even just like training camp and the preseason and all that. Uh, But that said, I I think that he's much older than your average two-way guy. Like he's going to be 27 uh, by the time that this season starts, which is – really old for a two-way guy i feel like most of the time i think the two-way spots are typically reserved for guys that are first like two years out of college and he's four years out of college now after being a four-year college player so he's like eight years into his higher level basketball career uh beyond high school so you know it's it's a little little interesting of a of a fit uh as far as the contract style where he was drafted and everything else. So, it, but it makes me think that the Knicks view him more as a guy that they will just sort of keep as a breaking case of emergency option, like a a warm NBA body that you know, at least in theory, can shoot, um, you know, and can back up these other guys that they have on the roster. He also, I mean, in college, he he was pretty solid. Like his his numbers in college is last year at Belmont, posted 21.3 points, 10.8 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and shot 54% overall, 42.9% from three on like pretty high volume, like seven, eight attempts per game, and 84.7% shooting at the free throw line. So maybe the Knicks see a an outline of a guy that with those rebounding numbers and stuff could also potentially be, you know, if they if they do go that small route and they have Josh Hart and RJ Barrett soaking up most of the minutes at the backup four, maybe they look at Windler and say, okay, well, this guy was a pretty good rebounder in college and stuff. Like he's got good instincts in that regard, plays bigger than he is at six foot six. So, you know, maybe we can rely on him to be that backup, backup, backup four, you know, if need be, if if going small is the direction we want. And, you know, Josh Hart goes down for 10 games or something, you can have Windler come in and play some spot minutes and, you know, provide some shooting and, uh, you know, the ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit and some rebounding and stuff like that. Very similar to what you would get out of Josh Hart, except for Windler in theory should be more of a shooter, though he hasn't shown it much to this point in his NBA career. And then lastly, in terms of who's going to be most likely to make an impact this year is Jalen Martin. And I just, I, and I, I don't mean this in a mean way, but I don't, necessarily think that he's going to even play a single minute uh, on the New York Knicks this year. Uh, I think that he will play many, many minutes on the Westchester Knicks. So 
as far as this year impact, I, I just don't really see it with Martin. Uh, but as I'm about to say in the next segment, as far as future impact, I think he could be quite a bit better. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I see this year as far as what his impact will be, he'll basically just be in the Trevor kills role or probably play pretty much every single Westchester Knicks game, maybe gets like five minutes in garbage time of a game at MSG. But as we know, with Tibbs, even, even in garbage time, he doesn't love to play, you know, the end and end of the bench guys. He still will just play. That's probably where Dylan Windler will get his minutes is at the end of blowouts, you know, uh, as you know, the the guy that comes out and just gets a few minutes along with Deuce McBride and you know Jericho Sims and whoever else, you know, like relatively established NBA players that are just sort of the breaking case of emergency options at the end of the rotation. Uh, so even that, I don't really see Martin getting too many minutes, but I do see him having the highest upside going forward, which I'll get to in just a second. So I'll take my final break here and then come right back and rank the highest upside of the three players on two-way deals for the Knicks. All right, and I'm back in to finish up with these rankings of the two-way Knicks. So last segment ranked who's most likely to have an impact this year, but this segment going to say who has the highest upside. And we're going to start where we ended off the last segment. Jalen Martin, I think, has the highest upside. And the first most obvious factor here is youth he's the youngest guy he was i i think one of the younger guys in the entire nba draft i think he will be 19 by the time that the season starts but uh you know he's he's a pretty young dude and played for uh overtime elite where i think it's a little hard still to, to judge exactly what those guys have but if the thompson twins and how they played in summer league and and how martin played in summer league to be completely honest are any indication I think that league maybe has a little more juice than I certainly was giving them credit for um, as far as, you know, ha- preparing guys to be NBA players and, you know, be ready to go. Um, so, you know, even though he's the youngest, which isn't a skill, I think it gives him the longest runway to potentially make more of his career. Um, you know, he's still got just a lot of time on his side. That's basically what it comes down to. You know, the other two are in what should be the primes of their NBA careers, not necessarily like G league or two way. Uh, whereas Martin, it's like totally understandable if you're going to have like two or three years from, uh, you know, two or three years to sort of build your game and then potentially be ready to have an NBA career. I think that would be completely understandable. You know, he's still got to work on, you know, bulking up a little bit for the NBA, uh, he's got to work on his shooting and and you know dribbling and stuff like that. But the outline was certainly there during summer league. Like I saw a guy who was really good at attacking the hoop. Um, you know, seemed pretty good actually at getting inside and making passes out to the perimeter. Uh, who has a little bit of bounce to his game, and who looked like he had an okay three point shot. You know, maybe just needs a little refinement, little you know consistency tweaks. So you know, it always looks the same, but in general, looked pretty good. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that he also, he has like that bounciness to his game. That's something the Knicks are always looking for and never seem to have on their roster too much. So maybe that plays into him potentially, you know, getting a chance with the big Knicks eventually. But yeah, I think Jalen Martin, I think it's not even really that close is, has the highest upside of any of these three two-way players. And is the more traditional two-way player as much tradition as can be had for, 
something that's only been around for five years, six years, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the two-way contract. But I think that he's, he's more in the spirit of what a two-way contract is supposed to be, which is a guy that you want to kind of float between the big club and the, and, you know, the minor league and, you know, kind of refine his game. Second, as far as highest upside, I think is Nathan Knight. Uh, I think both he and Windler, you know, they're, they're old. They're, they're not necessarily guys that I would think would be on two-way deals, but with Knight, it's easier to see a linear progression going up of, you know, him reaching his potential, um, you know, and, and sort of improving his game every single year and actually like growing as a player. Whereas Winler, it's sort of unfortunately been the other direction where he started off stronger and then has barely played since then and not played nearly as well. Knight, it's, you know, every opportunity that he's gotten, he's, you know, gotten a little better every single year and maybe now this year is is ready to sort of uh break out a little bit it, it, you know is a breakout for him just essentially becoming like the consistent full-time backup for to Julius Randall um maybe we'll see but at least as of right now I, I don't necessarily buy him as having a huge huge upside outside of his what he's already done in his NBA career but I could see it potentially uh that he gets you know just a little bit better this year. And that makes him a consistent role player in the NBA. And then finally last on my highest upside ranking, if you can tell already is Dylan Windler. Uh, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to like bash the Knicks for the signing or something. Uh, Cause I, I see the appeal of going for this guy who had the really good collegiate career, uh, who has just sort of been held back by the fact that he's been injured for the last four years. In many ways, so maybe if you think like, "Hey, our our training staff should be able to keep this guy, you know, healthy," and you know, the skills are definitely there, and we liked what we saw during like his his uh, second season, but you know, effectively his rookie season, you know, when he was able to finally hit the floor with the Cavs, we believe in that. Uh, you know, cool. Uh, if they do, I just don't really see a huge upside play here. I, I see that, you know, maybe they would be able to get him to the point where he's just contributing you know, good role player minutes, but I, I, maximum for his career, I see him maybe being a, a 10 minute per game guy for the next like five seasons. Um, and that's if his health can hold out, but I guess we'll see as far as that goes. He's, I don't know if, if he can get his three point shot to come around to like 37% or something like that. He might, and you know, man, manage to stay on the floor. He might be able to sort of carve out a role for himself, the Knicks or elsewhere as just sort of a journeyman, like end of the bench, three point shooting guy, but we'll see. But I, I definitely think at 27 years old, the upside is not necessarily there. So that's the two way guys for the Knicks should be all set now. So this might, uh, although I would say this would be the last time we'll be talking about them for a while, but I think I'm going to be talking to the locked on one of the locked on Cavs co-hosts uh, coming up in tomorrow's episode. We'll surely have some Dylan Wendler talk as well as maybe some Donovan Mitchell talk. So, you know, keep your ears out for that. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.